Welcome to the Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center podcast featuring Reverend Dahlia Adams. You may visit us online at unityvacaville.org or you may visit us in person at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. And now, here is Reverend Dahlia Adams. We have been talking for the last several weeks about living fearlessly. Imagine living your life going forward without fear. Can you imagine that? Or if that's too much to grab onto, imagine living this afternoon without fear. And sometimes we build from there. But it would be so, so delicious to live without fear, wouldn't it? Without that fear, we would be all that we could be. We would reach higher, stand for the truth we believe, love those around us so easily without fear. And we could shower the people with love, including ourselves. So this is the theme for seven weeks, Living Fearlessly. We've been following a book called The Essential Laws of Fearless Living. Find the power to never feel powerless again. Wouldn't that be great? The author of the book is Guy Finley. He looks like... um, someone who had been a longtime member here named Mark Utermoser. So that's to his credit, too. Um, and this week, we're, we're talking about taking command. You know those moments when fear comes up or we feel powerless for a moment or maybe hurt You know, those moments when people say things or the way they look funny at you and and it hurts inside, or we feel betrayed or angry. Anger and fear are closely linked. In those moments, if we could take command, you know, it would make everything different. Instead of feeling small and overwhelmed, We could be in command. And in fact, the teaching is that we are made in the image and likeness of God, right? The teaching is that the infinite power of God is available to us. That is the teaching, right? So technically, we should be able to take command, even in those moments. In fact, our scripture in the book of Genesis gives a beautiful example of how that which we call God takes command in the creative process. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, it's written, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God didn't say, Hmm what am I going to do about this dark? Oh my gosh, this is so scary. Everything's dark around here. I wonder if I could make it light. I wonder if it's, you know how the process we do? God 
God, that which we call God, is creative power itself, and it simply spoke the word, held the idea, and there was light. And in our own lives, when we're really living truth and principles, we've had experiences where we've had an idea, declared it to be true, and it comes into being. I ask for a show of hands, and if everybody dug deeply enough, you would find or remember a moment where that was true for you. So that which we call God, that in which we are made in the image of, is an example or, or the very essence of taking command. Another passage in the Bible that came to my mind is from the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verse 21. And God's people, the Israelites, were fleeing the Pharaoh. They were being chased, and they came upon the Red Sea. And there was a movie about this called The Ten Commandments long, long ago. And you may have seen reruns in your life. Um, but Charlton Heston played Moses, and Charlton Heston stood in front of the Red Sea, and he allowed all of the power of God to move through him, and the seas parted. Do you remember that scene? And then there are some people saying, no way, that's not possible. And then we see a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, Hurricane Ian coming through the Tampa Bay area, and all of the water of Tampa Bay being pulled out of Tampa Bay. Imagine all of the water of San Francisco Bay being pulled out of the bay. That's it's a smaller bay, but it's still good size, and it was dry. It was completely dry. So God, the divine nature, or whatever you want to call it, there is that power to make the seas part, to create a dry passage. So however you want to look at that, you know, there is Charlton Heston wielding the power of God and the seas part. That's taking command, right? And we can, we can actually do very amazing things when we're in that place of knowing who we are, when we are taking command, when we are holding truth in our hearts, in our minds, when our faith is there. Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains, right? And usually I think of the mountains of things overwhelming me when I read that passage. But Guy Finley emphasizes that it's not so much taking command of what's around us, but the process is to take conscious command of ourselves. And then out of that, all of the other strength and power flows. And sometimes taking command of ourselves can feel harder than parting the Red Sea. Right? In those moments when something is happening that feels painful or frightening and we're scared, and I know at times in my life, especially before unity, I used to think of myself as someone having the backbone of a jellyfish. 
you know, because stuff would happen and I would feel like I, there I went. I went into a puddle of powerlessness. So taking conscious command of ourselves is our goal. And from that place, when we've taken conscious command of ourselves, we know our oneness with God and so much becomes possible. However, in unity, in unity, we sometimes do something that's been named spiritual bypass because we teach people to guard their thoughts and to think the truth, which is, I am one with God. And there are infinite possibilities, even in this moment that feels so difficult. I am a beautiful child of God, perfect in every way. Through the thoughts that I hold in mind, I create my reality. Familiar teachings? Okay. So sometimes something happens that feels crushing. Maybe we lose someone, someone dies. Or I have friends who feel like they've lost someone very dear to them because that person is ill and declining in health or maybe cognitively. You know, they're not thinking in the same way. They're not expressing themselves in the same way. So I've heard people say, this is hard because that person is with me, but I feel like they're gone. Or we lose someone because they move away or uh, a divorce. Children move away, sometimes thousands of miles away. How dare they? You know, but, but there is a sense of loss. And then we use affirmations to say, and this is good. And even in this, you know, I am a beautiful child of God, but inside our hearts are breaking. Our back hurts, our neck hurts, our head hurts. Feels like someone has punched us in the stomach, right? Spiritual bypass is the tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, and unfinished developmental tasks. That last phrase means unfinished growing up, you know, ways in which we haven't grown up. The, the phrase was coined by a man named John Wellwood in the 1980s. He was a psychotherapist, a psychologist, and a Buddhist teacher. And it was in his attempt to bring together the Buddhist teaching. Buddhism essentially teaches suffering and the end of suffering. So if you do the Buddhist practices, you end suffering. If you do the unity practices, you rise above suffering, right? So he was trying to put together what he saw as a psychotherapist and these, um, these teachings. And I really relate to that because before being a minister, I was a psychologist slash psychotherapist. If anyone's interested in spiritual bypass, John Wellwood made his transition in 2019. And in 2020, Robert Augustus Masters wrote a more contemporary book on the subject. 
spiritual bypassing when spirituality disconnects us from what really matters. But anyway, back to, so what do we do? How do we take command? How do we hold those teachings that are so precious to us? And how do we avoid spiritual bypassing? How do we do what we need to do for ourselves in order not to be skipping important work? But she still spent two years in prayer and meditation and in this practice of loving herself, loving her body, before she was in a place where she felt like she was healed. So even Myrtle, who is such a dramatic example of the power of our thinking, went through a healing journey. Charles Fillmore wrote, This is to command, to control and direct every thought according to the harmonious law of love. In other words, take command of your thoughts, but do it according to the law of love. The law of love, of course, we trace back to the teachings of Jesus. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So there is this law that we teach of the power of our thoughts, but the greatest commandment is the law of love. So when we work with our perceptions, with our thoughts, changing our consciousness, love comes first. So if something happens, my son moved a couple thousand, 3,000 miles away, I, and I'm in unity, I'm new in unity when he's doing this, right? I could have just said affirmations every single day. But what I needed to do at the same time was send that love to myself to honor the fact that in some ways, as much as I was happy for him, my heart was breaking. And to unfold that breaking heart with love and to know that there is a love of God that surrounds me as I do these works of affirmations and changing my thought and shifting my perceptions. Course in Miracles teaches a lot about this, about the importance of love in our healing process. And in it, it's written, you have so little faith in yourself because you are unwilling to accept the fact that perfect love is in you. So when we're facing these difficulties, if we skip that place, that, that step of loving ourselves and accepting the love of others, accepting and feeling the love of God, if we skip that step, we end up struggling with our faith. We end up struggling with a sense of powerlessness or overwhelm. And the Course in Miracles also teaches that the opposite of love is fear. Psychology also teaches this. Hatred is sometimes named as the opposite, but it's not. 
It's fear. When we fill our hearts with love, when we allow the people around us to enfold us in love, when we feel the love of God moving through us, we are not afraid. In those moments, fear dissolves. So if we're going to live fearlessly, which is the theme of these seven weeks, love has to be such a powerful ingredient in that process of living fearlessly. It's a return to the awareness of the love that is always there. It was fueling the the pain, the powerlessness of what's going on. Something difficult may have been happening, but there would be this fear of, I'll, I'll never feel love again, or I'll always be alone, or I will always be weak and helpless if it's a health issue. Place of replacing that fear with love. And first, self-love. That ability to honor ourselves, to be gentle with ourselves, to extend compassion to ourselves, to ask that inner critic to please for a while hold its peace, you know. So living fearlessly involves and includes a healing process. Not always. I mean, sometimes we just need to shift our perceptions. Sometimes we just need to see the truth. But if we find ourselves going back into that pain and that helplessness, then there is a call for healing and a call for love that is happening. Charles Fillmore wrote, Divine love will bring your own to you. It will make your life and affairs healthy, happy, harmonious, and free. Because when that love is there, it is natural to change our thinking and our perceptions and hold to the truth. Fulfillment of the law. We are truth students. We study the law. We study the truth that there is one presence, one power, that we are one with God, we are one with each other, that our thoughts, excuse me, have a creative power, but that love is the, both the foundation and the fulfillment of all of those laws, all of those teachings. So it is. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support this podcast, you may do so at unityvacaville.org.